everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by fellow mirror columnist, Darren Lewis. Morning, Darren. Morning, morning, morning. Uh, now, this is the People's Paper Review, remember? So get into the comments, ask us your questions, whatever's burning a hole in your head, and we will try to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast, you're just going to have to open a window and question your gods, I'm afraid. So what have we got today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the Wagatha Christie libel trial, which began yesterday and seems likely to lift all our spirits as we spiral into destitution and wonder which footballers crippling legal bills will mean they have to do the same. Uh, more on that in a bit. But first to yesterday's main event, which was the Queen's speech, which traditionally opens a new government session and was delivered not by the Queen, but by the heir, Prince Charles, sitting next to the crown that will one day sit on his head. Now, perhaps he was um, the most important thing really going on was the there he is there, look, giving the crown a good eyeball. Perhaps he's working out how much he'd get if he could pawn it. The cost of living is hitting everybody, you know. Now, but the most important thing going on was the contents of that speech, the plans the government has over the next year to run the country. So there are 38 proposed new bills, and the Prime Minister says it's about unleashing our fiscal firepower. But not a single one of them, Darren, not one is about easing the financial burdens of food and energy, which every single household in the UK is suffering from. Except, of course, Rishi Sunak, because he's fine. Um, why didn't they do that, Darren? Why isn't there a cost of living bill in there somewhere? Because the truth is that we are run by a government that's never really cared about the people. It's a slogan government. It's levelling up and all the other slogans that they use to talk about to suggest that they care about the country. But the reality, listen, Susie, you've done it many times. We've talked about the areas many times where they've been deficient in terms of listening and actually doing something about the things that people are going through around the country. And yet there are zero solutions. We've done it time and again in the Daily Mirror. We've highlighted the cases. We know all about the LCs of this world riding around on buses all day to keep warm, the people having to decide whether to heat or eat, and yet you get to an opp uh, to an opportunity to do something about it, and you get Prince Charles one minute saying yes, we're going to address it, and then as always, as is always the case with the Prime Minister, the Chancellor, um, where's the beef? Where is the actual substantive measures to actually say to people, we're hearing what you're saying? It's not there. So I don't think it's procedural. You know, you know, I think it's. It's literally a government that simply doesn't care. I know some people are saying, well, we haven't got the money, but, but they always manage to find the money for other situations. And I think people will look at one thing. And I know they we're not. Find the money, Darren. If, you, if you've got their phone number and you're in the WhatsApp group, they can well, find the money. Well, quite, Elsie, quite. Get on the WhatsApp. You'll be fine. Yeah. Do you know, one of the things I was going to say, though, and I, I know we're not due to talk about this, but I just looked at the pomp and the ceremony around yesterday and the car for the £3.5 million crown with its own chauffeur and all of that at a time when people are using food banks and when people are wondering how they're going to pay their bills. And we've covered so much of the catastrophe facing people around the country. I just wonder what they felt when they saw all the pump, because we are a country of tradition. We are a country that laps up all of the uh, excess, if you like, and everything that goes with the ceremonies like yesterday. But the reality is that that is a symbol of modern Britain. 
Yeah, it's not a good look. The Crown doesn't normally get its own car to go to the Houses of Parliament, where it usually just gets shipped there from the Tower of London in a box uh, and then gets put on the Queen's head. Of course, it's the Queen that goes to Parliament in the Crown to open the... Well, not in the Crown, but she goes to Parliament to open Parliament. And the reason that the Crown got the special ride yesterday in the limo is because she couldn't go. And so it was this symbolic... And she had to send Prince Charles in her place and designate some of her powers to him. And that's... That's part of the deal we've got with a monarchy, I suppose. But it's not a good look, agreeably. Now, Mike says, did we miss here yesterday when Johnson said in Parliament that new measures would be unveiled in coming days? Because Michael Gove this morning seems to think we misinterpreted his words. We're going to get to that, Mike. I hate it when you do this, Michael. You always ask something, which I'm going to come to next, is my denouement. And you're asking me my denouement right now at the start. Stop it. Um, Keep asking your questions, though, so long as it's not something I'm going to deal with later, uh, because uh, we want you to get into the comments. Tell us what you think about the Queen's speech and the bill and the cost of living crisis and everything else, because the Yorkshire Building Society fears that um, households are going to face £100 a month shortfall by 2024, they're saying. Uh, the Shawbrook Bank says one in five people have lost sleep over surging prices. And the National Institute of Economic and Social Research reports that a quarter of a million households face destitution without immediate support. A quarter of a million, Darren. Now, right and left think tanks, everybody on all sides are saying windfall tax. Everybody seems to think that axing VAT on energy bills would be a Brexit benefit. We could do it having left the EU. Uh, we're not seeing it. I get that they're a bit blind to other people's problems because they haven't experienced them personally themselves. I can understand that almost. But surely they have election advisors, Darren, people who are telling them to get this sorted because this is where the votes lie in two years' time. How can they hope to get re-elected if they don't deal with the cost of living crisis or at least be seen to be doing something? Well, at the moment, there are lots of things in there yesterday, sorry to say, um, to stir up the Tory base and even create headlines in friendly newspapers. And, you know, they rely on client journalists to kind of do their bidding for them, radio stations who want to enjoy, uh, sorry, ignore um, just how dangerous the Prime Minister is for this country and his government. You've got a public order bill that's going to specifically detarget people's right to protest and environmental protesters in particular. You've got a media bill that's going to allow Channel 4 to be privatised. You've got public bodies not allowed to boycott certain countries. You've got uh, uh, the levelling up bill, obviously, promising local people more oversight over changing street names. It's all stuff that feeds into the culture wars. That's what they're relying on kind of warning and worrying people into believing that they should be frothing out the mouth over stuff that doesn't, that they shouldn't be getting angry about because the thing that matters most, as you've been saying many times on this show, as we do every day in the Daily Mirror, is people's right to just have a decent standard of living. And that's not, I mean, I'm thinking about the conversion therapy case as well, that they've got, that they're, they're trying to worry people about as well. And the reality is we have lots of LCs, we've got lots of people up and down the country using food banks, struggling from one day to the next. Those people are not being catered for. No strategy for the country, no nothing for mental health, nothing to suggest that there is a plan, Susie. That's why sometimes we do this 
think and we're tongue in cheek about one or two things, but this is no laughing matter. We have a real catastrophe surrounding the country. I believe that's a headline across the strap of the spread you're showing on the right side uh, of my right, as I look at it, of the screen. But it is a catastrophe and the government has zero plan to be able to deal with it. Exactly. Uh, and it's interesting that even some of the right wing press today, they're, they're splashing on things that weren't in the speech as well. Stuff that they're not doing as opposed to stuff that they are doing. Now, um, keep asking your questions, everybody. How are you being affected by the cost of living crisis? What do you think the government should be doing? Do you think this is fine? Are you happy with what's going on? Would you rather see them introduce a particular new legislation? Get into the comments. Let us know. Now, if it is such an easy vote winner to do something about the cost of living crisis and the voters are crying out for it, uh, their own backbenchers too. David Davis, who is a massive troublemaker, who not a few months ago was uh, on the backbenches there demanding the prime minister resign in the name of God go, he said, quoting Cromwell of all people. And he's asking him to unleash the government's fiscal firepower, not in a bit, but right now when it's needed. Um, and there's a lot of things they didn't do. So they didn't legislate to improve the gig economy like they said they would. They didn't ban trophy hunting imports like they said they would. It was a mirror campaign, though. Uh, they didn't even really give Northern Ireland veterans immunity, although they've said they have, because you have to first, the veteran in question, if you're accused of something, you have to go to some kind of like a, a show trial in a truth kind of tribunal and help the families achieve answers to their questions. And if you refuse to do that or if you can't do that, because you're innocent, for example, then you go on trial, uh, no matter what. So that's not quite the immunity that people were promised. Um, Labour says that the government's out of ideas. They certainly seem to be lacking any sort of vision, any big, grand, overarching thing, which is where the world's going to turn out. Um, and interestingly, we'll go to Mike's question now. Uh, Boris hinted yesterday that there may be an emergency budget. There he is, he's back. Uh, there may be an emergency budget in the summer to deal with some of this. But as soon as the journalists then go to the Treasury and say, what's this about an emergency budget? Uh, they say, no, no emergency budget. Is part of their problem, do you think, the fact that the Prime Minister and the Chancellor aren't seeing eye to eye at all? Therefore, there is no money being provided for stuff. Yeah, I think it is the case. I think as far as... Um... Listen, the Prime Minister is a guy that has never had a plan. So it's not as if he and his advisors came up with something and um, and it was detailed and it was um, coherent. And, and, you know, it, he is, at least whatever you might say about Sula, at least he has some idea of what he is doing. The, the, the government, the, sorry, the Prime Minister is just a guy who flies by the seat of his pants and I think has never had an idea. He's easily the worst prime minister we have ever had. A guy that basically just bumbles from one catastrophe to the next. Um, so it's no surprise to me that he will have said one thing and the people who actually know what they're doing would have said quite another. Um, he strikes me very much, Boris Johnson, and he's proven this for a long time since he's been in office and even way before then as somebody who will say one thing who will say different things to every person who asks him a question so it's no surprise to me that what he has said relating to any kind of relief relating to an emergency budget will have been contended with by the people who actually know what they're doing 
Yeah. Now, Ree says, come on, the communities need help. Um, Rishi, if you're listening, people need help. Uh, but like Mike said there, Michael Gove this morning, who's been on the radio, saying that whatever Boris Johnson said yesterday about an emergency budget, you've misinterpreted his words. You heard him wrong. He said something different. This isn't, these aren't, so this isn't the emergency problem. budget you're looking it's for. It's all on us, Susie. It's our problem. It's all on us, as, as is always the case. You're taking him out We're of the ones down, naughty boy. Now, Aggie says, it affects small businesses big time. Most of us still recovering post-lockdown. I'll tell you something, Darren, right? Post, in, in, as a result of COVID, Rishi promised uh, that small businesses could get something called a super deduction, right? And so you'd have some tax relief if you bought a big item of machinery. So if you were a business that was, you know, with a big lump of machinery you needed to buy. If you invested in something new or invested in solar panels, bought a big thing for your business that you would get some tax relief on it, 130%, right? Now, I've only got a little business. It's just me. And I had to buy a computer last year because my last one went fat. And so I bought a computer and I just done my tax return. And guess what my 130% tax relief has turned into? Go on, have a, have a guess. The computer was uh, 1,500 quid. Guess how much I got back from Rishi? Probably, probably, uh, probably enough to go and see a movie. Seventy-eight pounds. Wow! Now, seventy-eight pounds will do a lot of people quite a lot of good for a long time. Well, but it's not the hundred and thirty percent headline figure I was expecting. Now I know it's tax relief and not cash back, but still, the whole super deduction. If I was spending a million pounds on a business, maybe I'd get fifty grand back. That might. That might be a helpful, but all the small businesses, the bakers' shops who've bought a new oven, the plumbers who've bought a, a computer, did their accounting on that kind of stuff. If you're getting back seventy quid, it's not going to do anybody any favors. This is the best they could come up with when they say they're spending billions. Now, Marie says, "I think Boris needs to look up." Sorry, I just did my tax return yesterday, and I'm annoyed. Marie <laughs> says, "I think Boris needs to look after the country he'd been elected to run." Before sending money to other countries, as always, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. All they're doing is lining their own pockets. I think the money wasted on PPE and out-of-date vaccines would have come in handy now. She's got a point, mm. hasn't she, Darren? All that money on PPE that didn't work, that was shoddy, that was bought at market, top market value because we let our stocks go down. Thank you, Jeremy Hunt. Please don't go for the leadership because we all remember that. Um that would have those many billions would have really come in handy, like Marie says. Yeah, well, uh, not only that, but I'm thinking of the contracts that were given uh, to companies in inverted commas that didn't really have any expertise in administering vaccines or producing PPE, um, and all of the, shall we say, curious deals that were done around PPE that we never ha really have had any a resolution to. Um, and I mean, I'm, as you can tell, I'm choosing my words carefully around this, but I think that a lot of the financial management, or should I say mismanagement around that, will stick in the craw of a lot of people right now. Yeah. Um, and of course, the old uh, COVID inquiry seems to not be happening. 
Yeah. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah, I wonder if it will happen before the date of the next election, which is going to be May 2024 at the latest, I think. Possibly not. It's getting closer, isn't it, that date? Um, now, I don't know if we've got any more comments uh, on the cost of living. Yes, we do. Andy says, no more money. Not that I believe that for a second, despite Boris being incredibly honest and all that. Andy, you're being sarcastic, I think. <laughs> Has he, I wonder, considered taxing the super rich? Of course he hasn't. Perhaps, Andy, the reason that the super rich aren't being taxed is that one of the super rich is the man in charge of the taxation system. <sighs> you know, if you put Elsie or Andy or Darren or me in charge of the taxation system, you might be taxing the super rich because none of us are, are we? Um, mm. But if you have someone who's married to a woman who's richer than the queen, mm. they're not going to start taxing people who've got billions of pounds. Why? Why would they? Yeah, he was very articulate, wasn't he, Rishi Sunak, in, in, in defending the decision not to impose a windfall tax on the fuel companies. And despite all of the cases, all of the, the, the cacophony of noise that there had been around the need and the look, and we've covered it obviously many times in the Daily Mirror, around the fuel companies raking in these huge profits and people having to decide whether to heat or to eat. And Sunak had the opportunity to clobber them and he didn't. And he defended his right not to do that and explained in, in ways that people just don't really want to listen to, really, why he wouldn't do that, said that it would affect relationships and we want investment and this, that and the other. But the truth is that you have an open goal right there and they are not taking it and people are continuing to suffer. Exactly. And uh, I think it was the Sun newspaper, actually, earlier on this week, said that for this government, it's a choice between heating or eating. <laughs> that was just about right. Now, Mike says, how can government focus on helping people, even if it wanted to, when its entire resources are dedicated to protecting Johnson's job and covering for his lies in and out of Parliament? Man, that's very cynical of you. Are you really suggesting the entire machinery of the state is being spent on Boris Johnson? I doubt that. I think quite a lot of it is probably being spent persecuting people and small business owners and uh, and starting the culture wars and upsetting lots of people as well. They have other things to do. It's not just Boris. They've got lots of axes to grind. Anyway, <clears throat> let's see. We do have to move on to Wagatha Christie, which is probably a bit more exciting for some of us. Now, it's known it's going to be called already. It's only 20 years in, but it's the trial of the century in which two impossibly rich women are arguing about who is responsible for leaking some meaningless fluff in the most part to newspapers and which of them feels worst about it. Um, now, Rooney is being sued for defamation by Rebecca Vardy. So Colleen Rooney, I should say, is being sued for defamation by Rebecca Vardy after claiming that fake stories that Rooney planted on Instagram could be seen only by Vardy's account and are therefore her responsibility for getting them into the Sun newspaper. Now, Vardy says other people had access to her account, so it wasn't her. So it boils down to whether or not Rooney can prove Vardy herself was the guilty party rather than someone who works for her. Uh, now, because this is a civil rather than a criminal court, they've only got to prove it on the balance of probability and there's no jury. So we can discuss it more than we could, for example, a murder case. But, Darren, you're a football writer as well in another life. So how is this going down with other players and wives what kind of impacts it having on the actual inside footballing community is it the same are they as gripped as we are how do they feel about the protagonists well, i want to give you a cerebral answer here a, a cerebral analytical answer here but the fact is the truth is 
Well, they're just getting popcorn and uh, watching from the sidelines and enjoying it, as are many people, uh, sad to say, because from the very start, uh, and obviously take it right back, and it was Colleen Rooney who, of course, put that sequence of posts on social media that went viral and spawned this litany of stories and set the whole thing up in spectacular fashion. And then, obviously, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca responded in kind. And, and so this has been a cat fight stretching back, well, over a year now. Um, and it's made its way into the High Court, uh, as ever, I had a showbiz tom bryant's been right across it not just from what you can see but also what you can't see and and some of the stuff behind the scenes and he's done a terrific job around it um it's quite interesting because he quotes in his piece today that a, a, a source says that colleen who's as you were saying wayne rudy's uh, wife uh, has the moral victory but under defamation laws and you know we're always very circumspect here on the show the burden of proof is on her to prove that her social media post accusing Rebecca Vardy was substantially true. And so that's why this whole thing is playing out in court. And it's very messy. I, I just was thinking about the Peter Andre story, which I probably better not repeat here on the show. Shall um, we sum up by saying one of the one of the things, bits of evidence which was presented to Ms. Vardy in court yesterday was uh, a kiss and tell, which she had done some years ago with, uh, I think it was The Sun, maybe yeah, the News of the World, I can't remember, um, about a fling that she'd had with Peter Andre, in which she uh, discussed some very personal details about what he was like under his clothes and what he was like in bed. And the question that was put to her was, well, she she just said something about how awful it was to have personal stuff put in the in the public domain without your approval. And she, and she was asked whether she had asked Peter Andre's approval for discussing this in the newspaper. Uh, and her response was that it was the result of an abusive ex-husband who had done all that and that he got paid for it, not her, and that she regrets it. Let's leave it there. <laughs> but Darren, <laughs> what was the point you wanted to make about the, uh, the Peter well, Andre story? The point I was going to make was that it was put to her whether she respected people's privacy. Um, and it was also put to her that the disclosures around Peter Andre were in a newspaper which at the time was the biggest selling in the country with around about 4 million people. Um, and some of the disclosures that came out, I was talking about it being very messy. That was one of them, uh, along with the idea that Rebecca chatted with her agent uh, about selling stories over another footballer. But, uh, and to, as I say, the burden is of proof is on Colleen to prove that Vardy did the same to her. And as yet, well, the whole thing is going to be played out, so we will see where it lands. But um, around this, she's yet to be found guilty of any wrongdoing, Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, and of course, one of the other things that you need to do in one of these cases is to, um, for the judge, if they decide that someone has been... Uh, no, or someone that isn't able to prove. If the judge, for example, decides that Colleen Rooney is, has not proved beyond the, on the balance of probabilities that it was Rebecca Vardy that, that saw all her stuff and planted those stories, then, then they get to the case of damages mm. and you have to pay out to the party that's been injured. And for that, you have to sometimes present a loss of earnings as a result of the defamation. 
don't think that's going to apply to a wag. And you also have to you know, <laughs> discuss the um, the degree to which they have been lowered in the public's estimation. Yeah, it affected the reputation. It, it's generally considered that in case of, for example, lawyers, journalists, estate agents, you can't lower them any further <laughs> the public's estimation. And therefore, if you want, if if you or I, Darren, ever decided to sue, we're going to get threatened and tell to just roll with it. Uh, but I don't know how much really you could say that um, the general public's estimation of, of either woman will have altered as a result. Whichever way this case goes, do you think the general public is going to change its attitude about either woman? That's a really good question. I, I, but I'll, be, I'll keep it simple and say, no, not really. Um, there is a perception of wags, wives and girlfriends uh, within football. And I, I don't think that's going to substantially change, in my opinion. That said, they do have good legal teams. Colleen's got David uh, Sherborne, I think it is, um, who's represented Johnny Depp and the D Duchess of Sussex. And um, I think Rebecca has got, I, I forget his name, but he uh, Hugh, I think it may well be Hugh Tomlinson, who Rebecca has, and he's represented uh, Prince Charles, and he's represented Ryan Giggs as well in the past. And um, uh, the word is that none of them in particular like losing and both of them are very very accomplished at what they do so um it may well be the case as you were saying that they will put a strong argument forward if for whoever does win whoever loses that um their reputation has been affected uh, adversely by the negative headlines by the conversations on social media this are you know in the past it was only ever on TV or in the papers. Now you're talking about the digital impact as well on whoever party um, is wronged by this. So it it will be fascinating to see how it plays out. But as I said before, Susie, it will also be very, very messy over the coming days. And I'll go back to where I started. What do footballers and the wider public think? They've just got the popcorn out. Yeah. And I, I think if, if, if Colleen wins, I can see perhaps that she gets only thrums and uh, and her, perhaps some legal fees paid. And even if Rebecca wins, I think, you know, I think Colleen in future, no one's ever going to sell a story on her, ever, yeah. no matter which way this case goes. And I think in the future, no matter even if she wins, Rebecca's going to find that there aren't many wags who want to be her mate. Do, um, do you think, just very quickly, do you think that, that there's also the case that, it's a little bit like a Twitter fight. You know, you you may think you have the upper hand, but ultimately nobody wins because it's very unedifying. It's very messy. I mean, even some of the stuff that's come out around phones dropping in the North Sea and there is this, uh, the inference about people talking to each other in a way that makes them feel unsure about their safety. Uh, it's all very unedifying. And and I think I don't, I don't think any of it... Uh, it covers either of them in any particular glory. No, not when they're spending three million pounds on this. But I don't think it's a Twitter fight, Darren. What's fascinating about this? No, Mike's not a Twitter fight. It's it's more <laughs> like a fight outside a flat roof pub on a housing estate, except it's being done by multi-millionaires that we can all enjoy. And yeah, they're both going to come out of it with clumps of hair missing, I should I should expect. Yeah. And um, to go back to where we started, Susie, I mean, we're talking, well, th this has been fought out at a time, 
you know, again, it, we, we smile a bit, but the serious nature of it is people struggling to live, watching millionaires fighting over who said what and he said, she said. So in the scheme of things, I think a lot of people, yeah, they'll, they'll be fascinated, but who doesn't like salacious gossip? But on the other hand, there'll be some people who will just roll their eyes and you know, say how the other half live. How are you even arguing about this? Exactly. Uh, but it's bread and circuses, isn't it? And it's all entertaining. Adds to the gaiety mm. of the nation. Now, we do have some good news in the world. Uh, and we've hunted not too far for it today because it's, it's pretty big in the paper. Here it is. <laughs> this home recently welcomed a new pup-pup who was just asleep and has had a bit of a fright being picked up by me. But uh, here we have a story. Uh, in fact, we all like a good animal story. We all do, don't we? And today it comes in the shape of a border terrier called Teddy. And his owner is a former Emmerdale star, Melandra Burroughs. And one night they were settling down. I hope you're listening. They were settling down in front of the telly to watch a film. He headbutted her hard in the chest, so hard that it hurt. Next day, she felt a bit of a lump. She put it down to Teddy headbutting her. When it didn't go down, she went to see the doctor, and it turned out to be stage three breast cancer. Now, Melandra's had it removed. She now faces some chemotherapy, but she credits Teddy with saving her life, um, not least because a regular mammogram was cancelled because of the pandemic, which might have caught it a bit sooner. So, Darren, is this proof that... Um, Dogs are women's best friends and cancer's worst enemy. What do we think? Actually, for once, I actually think you should do the talking on this because you've got your gorgeous little one there. And I know you think the world of him uh, and, and always have done. But yeah, I'll just start with a little bit because this story also quotes Claire Guest from the Dogs Detection uh, Charity. She set it up after she went through a similar thing. And I've been listening and reading uh, Melandra. Tom, again, has done a terrific interview with her. And the story is so heartrending. And it does, uh, to answer your question, yes, it does show that uh, dogs are a, a, a people's best friend, the instinctive nature of what he was doing. Uh, yeah, she's right to believe that he did save her life. And, you know, Claire's story is identical. And, and I just, as reading it, I was fascinated by the intuitive nature of the dog just wanting to help his owner. Um, I'm sure there are things that you can point to that your, that your little one has done that has well, led I've only to had him for four days, so not yet. Mainly it's poo, oh. to be honest, at this stage. <laughs> That's all he's really done. I'm hoping to train him at some point. You're going to detect mummy's breast cancer. Yeah. What's his name? This is Harry. Teddy was on the shortlist, but he became Harry because my daughter's a big Harry Potter fan. Ah, um, no, I have seen lots of stories in the past about dogs detecting cancer in their owners and really just focusing on their chest area and things like that and going, there's a problem in there, I can smell it. And some dogs are being trained to detect cancer on uh, in medical samples because they're slightly better than mammograms, a bit more accurate. They can detect COVID-19, they can detect explosives, and uh, they're fairly brilliant creatures who currently are licking my elbow um so I'm, we should all get more puppies is the mood i'm currently in uh, and you need to learn some skills i well, wonder you know, right do you know i wonder Susie, if there are many many stories like this around the country i'll be fascinated to see if there are other stories i mean i know there are you know only gets ill dog instinctively finds a way to call for help and whatever else but this is quite unique and i wonder if there are a unique set of circumstances for Melandra. but 
I wonder if there are other people who have had similar experiences around dogs being able to detect things that have saved yep. their lives i'm sure there, there are, are. There's, there's a great charity called support dogs uk and if anybody was going to look them up and bung them a five i'd recommend it they train dogs to uh help with autistic autistic people and also uh, detect help epilepsy as well so they can detect seizures before they happen give someone um some warnings so they can go and lie down so that they don't hurt their heads if they have a seizure and so on but of course uh, even though this is a rough collie like lassie i have to say i've had collies all my life darren and despite the fact that you think these dogs are very clever and hollywood has been telling us for years they're very very clever if i fell down a well Right. There is no way any of the dogs I've ever had would ever be able to go and get me help. All I get is a squeaky monkey. Um, <laughs> not be an awful lot of help. And I expect Teddy will be much the same. But if they're brilliantly trained, they can do. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if one or two might surprise you. Thankfully, you've never been in that situation to know one way yeah. or the other. But I just think um, I, I've seen many occasions where, and has heard of many stories where dogs have in some way, shape or form been able to perform an action that saved their owner's life and even surprised the owner in so doing. So, I mean, this is one of the most heartwarming stories, full stop, that I've read for a long time. And I think there will be many people, male and female, who will identify with, with the heroic nature of what 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 the dog has done and yeah i'll be certainly looking up the dog's detection charity and the one that you mentioned a second ago what was support that one dogs. Support, support dogs uk yeah. they're brilliant um so see if you, anyone wants to bung them a fiver feel free and if you want more great content involving harry he's on twitter the hound underscore come along and you see lots of videos of him being a puppy um <laughs> And if <laughs> I've never quite seen you melt, I've never I seen know. you melt. I like, do have a softer side, it's there somewhere, and it's fairy. Uh, right, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Darren. Thank you, everyone, for taking for part. Sure. Um, and thank you, everyone who's listening later on podcast. If you want to leave us a review, it helps other people find us and understand a bit more about what's going on in the Queen's speech with cancer detection and the Wagatha Christie trial. That would be very handy. Um, thank you, everyone, for taking part, uh, and we will. Uh, see you all again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda.